0: Welcome to this episode of the Core Creative Podcast. We started this podcast to provide all the wonderful people working imaginatively and innovating in the creative arts and in business a platform to discuss their journey to now, plans for the future, and lessons learned. If you would like to learn more, please visit CorkCreative.ie. I am Patrick Hiley, your host. I am the founder of Flux Learning Limited, a digital education company proudly situated in Clonacilty County, Cork, where I live and work. I am delighted to welcome Louise Bunyan to the podcast. Louise is Ireland's number one LinkedIn trainer and is a guru of all things digital marketing. She's an award-winning digital marketing consultant, blogger, writer, and founder of SmartFox.ie, which specializes in LinkedIn training for job seekers, sales and business development teams, and students. Louise is a well-known speaker on LinkedIn, frequently delivers webinars on the topic, and has also launched her own online LinkedIn school with a suite of LinkedIn training courses from introductory through to masterclasses for job seekers and sales professionals. She is also a published short story writer and runs a writing group. So we certainly have a lot to discuss, and we will address Louise's interesting career and decision to set up SmartFox, her pivot to online learning and consultancy, her plans for the future, and her insights about what training and development in Ireland will look like post-pandemic. You are very welcome to Core Creative, Louise. I first met you when you were delivering a LinkedIn training course at the Brook Park Business Centre in Manway, in what seems like a millennia ago in 2018. Then I think it is fair to say that your work and training courses took you all over Ireland. An obvious first question is how has your 2020 been?
1: Yeah, so I think my 2020, like other people's, it feels like it's been about 10 years rolled into one. Um, I mean, it was, it's, it was a very strange time. Um, and like everybody, you know, it was quite scary, um, at different times, especially I suppose at the beginning when we didn't know what was happening and then the lockdowns and then summer came, you know, and that, and that was great. You know, we were able to leave our counties. Um, but bizarrely, you know, looking back, it was also for me a very productive period and like I was very lucky in that I started doing a lot of online one-to-one training kind of the end of 2019, the start of 2020. And as you know, I was developing like my online school as well. And it was just about ready to go the end of Feb at the start of March. Um, so I was okay. But when a lot of my, I suppose I had a lot of conference talks, lined up and I had a lot of in-house training lined up as well, which, you know, were my bread and butter. And then initially they, they were postponed and they were pushed out until the summer. And then I suppose then the realization came that like, look, you know, they had to be canceled and that we would pick them up again at another time. So, um, yeah, just, I think just like everybody is just a really strange year and I like the way, people are thinking now that you, your birthday doesn't count, you know, in 2020 or 2021, that like, it's, it's just a nothing year. So like, we don't, we're not aging, you know, that, that, that birthday doesn't count. So that's the way I'm looking at it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed this previously, and I think it is a really inspirational story for core creative listeners to hear an old resilience and fortitude. Can you describe your career in marketing and your decision to found SmartFox?
1: Yeah. um, Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. That's really nice of you to say. Um, So I don't have a typical, like that straightforward path to marketing. And whenever I get asked asked this question, I always just wonder, like, why didn't I, for whatever reason, when I did my leaving search, why was it would never an option for me to do marketing in UCC or UL. Like we didn't know what marketing was back then. So I would have done my leaving search in 1999. And I studied media communications and geography in Mary Eye in Limerick, which is part of UL. I didn't get the points to do communications in UCD, and I'm still kind of a bit better uh, over that. And um, so I like that course is actually brilliant. It was a f- It's a four year degree course. And in our third year, we go on co-op. So I would have uh, actually run the student union newspaper for six months. And then I went to study in Houston, Texas. Uh, for six months as well so that was incredible and then I graduated in 2003 and I worked in a bar in Watergrass Hill for about seven months and Facebook was only beginning to start around then and I'm going to sound so old now, but Bebo was the big thing. And we actually thought Facebook was really boring and it was like white and blue and you couldn't have colored backgrounds or anything like that. Little did we know what was about to come. So then I did a postgrad diploma in PR and event management in the Fitzwilliam Institute in BlackRock in Dublin. And I would have done a, a, quite a bit of PR... Around that time after that, and then I lived in Dublin in the Celtic Tiger and I worked for uh, quite a well-known high profile restaurant and I was the girl in the office, but I was also doing events and they were the in-house caterers for Brian Thomas, so and, and really high profile events. So I remember in one week, we had the launch of the designer floor in BT's. So we were doing all that. And then that was on a Tuesday. And on the Thursday, we were doing the launch of the big top shop at the top of Grafton Street. Um, so there was a couple of cocktails left over from that. So that was a nice perk of the job. Um, and then I did an about turn and then I went into the public sector um, with a, a quango called Pubble and no marketing now whatsoever. And that was, uh, administering childcare funding. And you know, that was a great job. I worked with amazing, wonderful, lovely people. I've such good friends from that time and, um, the recession was beginning to hit around my two years into it so i took voluntary redundancy and then i went to new zealand i bought a one-way ticket to new zealand because i didn't know whether i was going to be gone for uh, six months or for three months or for nine months so i said i just buy one-way ticket um, so I got fundundancy money from Pubble, So voluntary redundancy, and I did what we call, um, CELTA. So Cambridge English language teaching to adults. So that's probably the highest, one of the highest qualifications you can get in English language teaching. So that took a month and that was actually really intense. Um, so I went off to New Zealand, I backpacked around for about four months, North Island, South Island, and then I started teaching English. Um, couple of hours a week in this beautiful school um run by an American company called Kaplan. And I ended up staying for two years. And I also volunteered at the Rugby World Cup when it was in New Zealand, but obviously I was living in Auckland at the time. So I volunteered there as a media assistant. And um, so really all of that was if you want to call that like the postgrad and pure event management, the Rugby World Cup, that's all offline marketing. So nowadays we would kind of look at that as like a bit a bit old school, you know, but still really important. So then I came back to Ireland in um, 2012 and I couldn't get a pure job. I thought I'd walk into one because of the Rugby World Cup experience, but I couldn't because the feedback I was getting was that oh, you don't have any digital marketing experience. And I knew this was really serious because friends of mine that I had done my postgrad with were all directors now in PR companies, and they were all going back, getting certificates um, and diplomas in digital marketing, because they had to, even though they were quite senior. So I was really lucky stars aligned and the planets aligned and my local paper, the Avendu, so I'm from Formoy and North Cork. They had an ad for this, this initiative called Springboard. So springboard courses. So I saw one in UCC for creative digital marketing and I applied and I got a place. So that was amazing. So I'm also quite into like horses and horse riding. So I started going to stables in Watergrass Hill. And then I ended up bartering with the owner of the stables. So I would do all his digital marketing in return for free horse riding lessons. So I did, and I said I did everything. I did everything. So I rewrote the entire website. That's where I got my uh, hands dirty with SEO. I set up a YouTube channel. I was taking videos. I set up a Facebook page, Google places, my friend is a graphic designer. We got a new logo and branding done. I was doing MailChimp. So I was doing all this amazing work. And so then next step, I got an interview and I graduated with Morgan McKinley Recruitment Agency. So they're a global recruitment agency and they're headquartered in Cork. And that was around 2013, the summer of 2013. And I got the job. And a part, a big part of that was the fact that I had bartered with the owner of the horse riding stables and I could show um, all of this work that I was doing, but critically, I was able to show the the impact it had on the business. The fact that like he got so many new customers and he actually had to build like a new set of stables because a lot of his customers were um, young women with a lot of disposable income who actually ended up buying horses and stabling them. There. So I think that's a big thing. You know, we can get carried away with all the social media and this and that, but at the end of the day, you have to generate money for the business. So I was able to show that I was able to do that. So I got the job in Morgan McKinley, and um, the recruiter who had got my CV and put me forward for the role told me later that I was a wild card, but she just had a really good feeling. So that was really nice to hear. So my role in Morgan McKinley, um, I was there for about three years and a global online marketing specialist so they actually had nine global offices at the time and i was working specifically in the online team which is basically like websites primarily so you think of recruitment websites think of all the work that that site has to do in posting jobs it has to be typed back to the recruiter when you submit your cv how does it end up in the recruiters inbox how does it end up in the in the database so a lot of functionality um, around those sites so they would have had i would have worked across more than 17 global websites um on the go at any one time so massive learning curve and so then after that i went to teamwork.com and i was a content marketer so we won best marketing and communications blog in 2016 but unfortunately um i got made redundant me and my team got made redundant after eight months there so then i went into another phase of another chapter so i interviewed full time for five months and so i've written about this i've blogged about this quite openly the candidate experience it's quite grueling and then i I decided I'd become a freelancer and um, just to, cause the longer you're out of digital marketing, it moves so fast and I was just worried I was going to start getting <laughs> left behind. So I did a Leo start your own business course and in from and lo and behold in April, 2017 smart Fox was born. So I can just tell you a little bit about um, smart Fox. So yeah, I'm a, Presently, now I'm a LinkedIn training specialist. But back when I founded Smartfox in 2017, I was all things to all people. I was copywriting websites. I was a freelance digital marketing consultant. I was doing training. I was training in everything, like all social media. And LinkedIn was just one of the many things that I did. However, gradually over time, and because of the lack of LinkedIn experts in Ireland, And because it's such a tricky platform in that it's B2B and because it has a sales element and it has a job seeker element, my background in recruitment and my knowledge of LinkedIn, even at that stage was far beyond other people's. And I didn't realize this myself. It was other people who started coming to me saying, will you redo my LinkedIn profile? If I give you my password, like how much would that cost? And then companies then started coming to me saying, oh I hear you do some linkedin training you know how difficult it is to find a linkedin trainer so i began to own that space um and then i suppose outside of that i am a committee member with network cork so i managed the social media channels there for two years so i grew those channels to over seventeen thousand followers and we were nominated twice in the best Twitter category at the Court Digital Marketing Awards and we were a charity so we have no budget whatsoever and we've trended nationally at number one um, three times uh, last year in 2020. And then that brings me to today. So I've just started working in-house on a contract role with VMware as talent marketing specialist. So it's absolutely perfect for me. It's back to my recruitment marketing roots, but um, on a global scale, so across all their offices. And I'm really excited and it's, it's already, it's just been like an amazing experience. So as you can see, um, maybe if I had gone straight from, you know, leaving cert into, into, you know, my undergrad in marketing, I mean, I look at the odyssey there, you know, from everything that I've done. So it's not been straightforward, but it has, most of it has been fun.
0: A lot of people don't take a direct route to their chosen calling or profession, Louise. So it's a great story. Thank you. And now your story brings you to clinical degrees. And how has the move to Clonakilty and working from the Ludgate hub in Skibbereen changed your work and your approach to training?
1: Mm. Well, I have to say it's very difficult because when it's a beautiful day, all you want to be is on the long strand. I'm obsessed with the long strand and Inchdani and Loch Um So that is an occupational hazard, I think, of of living in Clonakilty and and working in Skib. But so work-wise, nothing has changed really because I rented a desk. I had a co-working desk in Firmoy in a facility run by the County Council. Um, and I think like I am that digital nomad. And so as long as I have a laptop and internet, I can work. So, so that's been amazing. But what I have to say, what I've absolutely loved is... Just the atmosphere in the Ludgate is fantastic. Um, there is a really good atmosphere, like it's a really good crack. And I think for me as a newbie to Clonakilty in West Cork, it's just been so lovely to meet other businesses, um, other employees um, and other solopreneurs. And just, you know, to meet new people, but also it's been great for networking and there's so many skills and there's so many really interesting businesses. Like it is a real hub of, of entrepreneurial um, people and innovation in, in the Ludgate. The facilities are amazing. Like the internet is just second to none and you can have like private, Rooms, you know, if you were to deliver a webinar, or have a meeting, they're all set up for that. Um, so yeah, it's it's just hard. It's hard knowing that the beach that there are beautiful beaches around, but like, you know, you gotta work, you can't get to them.
0: <laughs> I must say that I do on occasion stop and remind myself of how lucky we are to effectively be living in a in a resort, effectively in West Cork with the beautiful scenery and beaches. Louise, you've always thought to innovate. You were hiring a virtual assistant when I'd only heard of them on Site Hustle Nation or other US-based podcasts. Is this something that you feel you have a predisposition towards or is it a skill that you've had to develop when you are training in this fast-moving professional networking world?
1: Oh, I would say it, it's a skill that I had to nurture and develop. Um, I would never have thought of myself as innovative at all. Um, how mad is that? But I think from networking and... And from, from the businesses that I've been fortunate to, to meet. So remember before the pandemic, like I was driving all over Ireland and I was going into in-house into so many different companies from a lot of engineering companies, actually, because what I found is they would maybe have a small sales team, but they would have no in-house marketer. So there was always that gap there. And, and, and you know, they're, they're so clinical and what they do you know so i actually learned loads from just um training engineering teams i've trained solicitors i've trained hospitality i've trained um private sector and but i think it's those engineering firms like some of them i've been into and they have little signs on the wall like five tips to have like better meetings so really taking um process and and bringing it up to the next level so that's one element of it. I think another element is from my networking and from Network Cork and from other networking organiza- organizations, just talking to other solopreneurs, like one person businesses. Um, and what I found was that I was, I w- I was getting quite bogged down and burned out by what I call death by a thousand paper cut tasks so for example invoicing you know if I was running a workshop in a hotel I'd have 15 people some of them would book through Eventbrite but some of them would request to be invoiced which is fine but I'm only one person so I would have to manually create maybe six seven eight individual invoices and email them out and that's one task, but then imagine you have to do your VAT returns and you're combing through emails and you're printing out invoices and you're filling out Excel docs. Um, and, and one time, um, network, network mail asked me to, to go up there and deliver a talk and it. it didn't happen for whatever reasons, but a few of the networks, Network Galway, Network Mayor, Network Roscommon um, asked me to come up there. And all I could think of was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to contact like five hotels and get quotes. Um, And they won't give me an overall quote. They'll say tea and coffee by 15 people at two euro 50 each, you know, lunch at this, lunch at that. So I'd heard of... um, this lady who was a virtual pa who was working for a few hours with a friend of mine and i just thought it was really appealing because i knew i needed help with all those tasks but i was i wasn't in a position to take on somebody part time and i think my own experience of like being made redundant um and this is something i'm very aware of is that I was always very hesitant to take on a member of staff because of that commitment, but also what if for whatever reason I had to let them go. Um, and I, and, and that's something, you know, that I've really thought about. So this is perfect because you're outsourcing the work to an individual Um, it's a service that they're providing for you. And um, so, yeah, I did, I got a virtual assistant, a wonderful lady and um, gradually kind of Trained her up and had to do various tasks. And now, what she can do in an hour is phenomenal. Like, you know, she has a little timer clock and you can see exactly how much time is being spent on this and that and she's not on like me she wouldn't be on twitter half the time or linkedin you know she's like she does you know the the timer goes on and then she just gets through everything and so within no time she had five quotes from five hotels up in the northwest she had all the quotes worked out she told me the pros and cons of each one and she ranked them from like one to five Um, so it was absolutely money well spent. So I wouldn't look at that really as being innovative. I would just look at that as, um, just, just, you just being smart, like working smarter, not being a busy fool and just trying to maintain your sanity as a solopreneur basically.
0: That's fair enough, and they are great points, Louise, in fairness. Um, Keeping with the topic of innovation, then, you were planning a pivot to online learning and you were delving into online consultancy long before March 2020 and the repeated lockdowns that followed. How has this experience been for you?
1: Yeah. So the motivation for the pivot was a good chat with my accountant. And he was pointing out mileage and um, costs, basically, of driving all over Ireland and delivering training in person. So we doubled my fee. And do you know what happened, Patrick? Nothing, nothing happened. The sky didn't fall down on top of me, and the world didn't stop turning. And and you know, it was just, the fee was the fee and that was, it was accepted. But I think I had done so much work in those years carving myself out as a specialist. Um, but I also, you know, had to, had to put in place like post training support for a month, you know, there had, there was other little, there was other things that I was doing anyway that I wasn't drawing attention to as part of the package. So that was a big learning curve. um, So that, that was the idea behind it, that I could just open up my laptop and train somebody one-to-one rather than getting in the car and driving and all that time and parking and all the rest of it. So that has been, that was great in one way. Um, And that was really great because I was still doing a mix of in-house training. So I was still, you know, driving in the country, but my fee structure had changed and I was doing conference talks. But then when I was in the office, I could put in like maybe three one-to-ones then um in the course of a day when I was in the office. So I was able to plan my calendar a lot better. Um but the strange thing was that there was re- a bit of resistance, you know, to this whole online training one-to-one. But some people were just like, oh gosh, like Zoom? What's what's Zoom? Okay. So I had to Get but create a how-to doc, you know, on Zoom, and, and how to share your screen and to do all this and all that. So I look back on that now and I have to laugh because I had to do a good bit of work to convince people. Um, you know, it's okay. You know, I'll be there to hold your hand through all the technical stuff because some of the people that I would work with would be incredibly senior, um, in their roles, and they quite openly admit that they are just complete technophobes, but they know they need LinkedIn because they're either thinking of changing jobs or they're early retiring and they want to become a consultant. And fair play to them. You know, they, they want to upskill in this and and they trust me and to help them to do this. So now that's all changed. Oh my goodness. you know, people are on Zoom, people are on Google Meet, people are on Teams, the whole shebang. Um, so I have to say, I've, I've found that, um, I've just found that whole shift, um, and the, just this acceptance overnight and this upskilling overnight into online training, um, mad in, in one way looking back on how much work I had to do, um, previously. Um, and so then the online school, um, So we we could do a whole podcast on that now another time, but we won't. Um, So I think what I learned from that is I was quite naive going into it and it is, it's a second business. Like it has its own rules. It has its own market and it's a startup. And to anybody who is looking to create an online school, it's not just, all right, I'll do a couple of videos and I'll throw them up there because the minute you move into that, online training platform and the minute you start taking automated payments from people like you have obligations um you know from a from a legal point of view from a a privacy policy point of view from a vat point of view if if you're over the vat threshold and a big thing for me that i didn't have a clue because i still i sell like b2b business to business primarily but then when you move into the online school territory all of a sudden you flip into b2c and that's a completely different game altogether.
0: And as well as the inherent challenges in moving from B to B to B to C, you had to undergo a voluminous amount of research to uh, make an informed decision as to what virtual home you would choose for your uh, LinkedIn school. And when you were deciding on a platform for your LinkedIn school, you explored some options from Kajabi to Teachable. Can you speak a little bit about your experience with these platforms and what you ultimately decided to use and why?
1: Yes. So... Initially I went with Kajabi and I was on Kajabi for three months. And then I had to take the school down from Kajabi and then move it over to Teachable and there were a few reasons for this. Um, so what, what I found with Kajabi is, and I, I asked, I was in a couple of forums, um, and I asked people when I was beginning to get really, and this is only me personally, and I'm speaking. Um when I was getting really frustrated with it, I reached out to one or two forums and I was like, look, I'm on Kajabi for X, Y, or Z. I'm thinking of moving. I'm thinking going to teachable. Can anybody tell me, you know, the differences? Um, and the same responses were coming back, going, Kajabi is a marketing tool, it's automation, it's marketing is great, but as an online school, it doesn't put the student at the center, whereas teachable is an online school first and foremost and then there are marketing elements around that so for me, gradually everything just started to become really, really, really difficult and Kajabi. And the big issue was around VAT, an EU VAT. So look, I'm not an expert, right? But luckily I had trained um a, a tax director before. And I had pinged her an email saying, look, I'm doing all this research online and I'm setting up an online school and not all training is exempt from VAT and that's something um that so many people say to me, oh your training are exempt from VAT. So not all training is exempt from VAT first and foremost. But look when you move into the online space, um th- there's like EU VAT rules that apply and they look at it like they can depending on what you're doing, they look they can look at it like a product. Um, but if you're doing live training so um it's just the medium if it's still live training but you're just doing it online and if you if you're exempt from that if you fall into those exemption categories you're grand but the minute it becomes automated um, you can fall into uh, that territory so i got expert advice on that so Technically, um, my school was an electronically supplied service, and um, if you're over the VAT threshold, so why am I telling you all this? Is because Kajabi, when I was using it um, at the start of last year, Kajabi doesn't handle EU VAT, and their advice was to get a third party tool called Quaderno. So I did, but. For you to plug Quaderno into Kajabi, you have to upgrade to a higher plan. So all of a sudden you're paying 50 euros for this third party tool. And and so in reality, if somebody goes to the checkout page of your course and they live in the UK and somebody else lives in Ireland and you qualify for VAT, there's different VAT rates. And so um, Kajabi were telling me I should have a different landing page for the countries that I sell to. So, you could have potentially like 10 different landing pages. And I was like, no. So, then they said Quaderno, and Quaderno will know um, what location you're in. And when you click the drop down arrow for the price, it'll just change it automatically, which is brilliant. And you get a big report in the back end, but it's 50 euros a month, basically. And here's the kicker for you to integrate Quaderno into Kajabi, you need another tool called Zapier. And to, to do all this, you can't use the the basic Zapier package you have to pay. So then that's 20 euros because you need a filter and filters are from a higher plan. So I say all this, like I know what I'm talking about, but at one stage I had three support tickets open, um, with three different platforms because none of them had said that you needed to create a filter in Zapier. So I had, um, I was testing courses i was giving myself like 99 percent discounts um and what happened was because there was no filter set up. when i was paying for one course it was granting me access to three four or five courses and so i let's just say when three of them came back and said oh you just haven't installed a filter and um, you need to install a filter you need to create a t- you need to upgrade t- to get the filter plan and i was just like why is this not in any of your help docs, your step-by-step guides? So look when you add it up right, that's 70 euros a month just for those two tools. And then the Kajabi package I was on was around 130, I think. So you're talking 200 euros a month just to host your school and handle EU sales. That's before you sold anything. So that's ridiculous. Um, so look, I I just took my school down. Um, I emailed Kajabi and I explained the problem and they said, yes, we're aware. Um, we're working on it. It's in our rollout plan. So do you know what? I just bit the bullet. Kinda, it kind of broke my heart. So I had to take the school down and literally I had to build it all over again in Teachable. I had to learn a brand new platform. I was in and out of the knowledge bank. I had queries going over back and forth I had to create six new courses that means you have to upload all the videos you have to build the course pages um, you have to build checkout pages and you have to test the payment gateways as well so and um, there was there was tears there now <laughs> last, right, last year but I'm in hindsight like it was the best thing for me and um teachable is great i have to say um I've, I, other people have asked me about um Thinkific, and there's another one beginning with p and so my advice is just go if you're thinking of buying one and you live in the eu just go to their help page and type in eu vat and if you see the words quaderno um, just think carefully Um, about what you're going to get yourself into.
0: There's some great insights and some sage advice for some core creative listeners there for sure. So Louise, it's not just your LinkedIn school. You've done a lot of work on your website and there are sales funnels and customer journey options throughout. Congratulations on all of this work, firstly. And how has the response been to the redesign and how have the new product offerings been going?
1: Yeah, so the response to the redesign has been great. I mean, there's been lots of lovely comments and feedback. Um, So I built my site... On Weebly myself, and it's still on Weebly. And um, I got a specialist uh Weebly redesign company um to do it. So I've written all the words myself. Um, you know, like website copywriter, SEO copywriter. It was just the look and the feel um had to be upgraded. And the SEO is still, it's ranking highly, thankfully. Um So, yeah, so, you know, people on the training side of it, um, people love the two free short courses that I have. And I have to say, that's a great sales funnel and, um, on many respects. So number one, they, they log into the free course and I'm giving away some good stuff on the free courses to be fair. And um, so they get to just see the quality of my videos, you know how professionally they were made and how professionally they were edited. And they get to see me, you know, in action. And it's a huge trust building exercise as well, which is really, really important when somebody doesn't know you and, and, and they're looking at making this investment. And for job seekers, it could be quite a personal investment. And um, so that's really important. And then from a really like marketing point of view, And so I get those email addresses into my mailing list. And that's actually where I would generate quite a bit of my sales would be through that mailing list. And I do give away like discounts exclusively in that list. And if I ever add like a new freebie course, so for example, I added, um, the hashtag open to work, I created a new little free short course in that. And I told everybody on my mailing list, like a week and a half, before i put anything on social media and they've gotten some discounts that i never advertise on social media as well so again this is all new to me that that b2c side and so i'm learning as i go but um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying that part of it. And, um, it's just lovely, you know, I'm getting really good feedback. So again, a lot, a lot of work, and that was a big decision as well to kind of, um, upgrade the site, but I'm, I'm really glad that it's all worked out.
0: That's great to hear Louise. And congrats on all the work on the website again. So not content with all of that. You're also heavily involved in Network Cork and you co-founded the Powerhouse Collective. How important has peer support and networking groups been for you and for the growth and development of SmartFox?
1: So quite simply, it has been absolutely essential and it's been absolutely critical, like on numerous levels and people buy from people. And, you know, when I'm going into sales teams and business development teams and they're saying, oh, where do I click here and click here? And, oh, you know, how do I add these people? And I just have to bring them back to the start and go, why would I trust you? you know, and, um, you know, and people buy from people and how do we get that across on your profiles? And I always say this, you know, to, to anybody who, who's a potential job seeker or who's made redundant, you know, like I was suddenly, um, like as an employee, like back in, when I was working in-house, let's say, you know, when I was in Morgan McKinley and then when it's teamwork.com, like I knew nobody in marketing in Cork outside of those companies, And if you think about it, I went to college in Limerick, I lived in Dublin, Um, went to college in Dublin, I lived in New Zealand, and then I came straight back to to Cork and went to college in Cork in that in my postgrad for um, a couple of months in UCC. And then I went straight in house. And I really like if I had known how important marketing was and just getting to know other people in your industry, um, I, I should have joined network work way, way, way back, but, um, I didn't. And I think the reality of how unconnected I was hit me like a ton of bricks when, when I was made redundant, I had nobody, I knew no other, I didn't know any marketing directors that I could go to and say, are you looking for somebody are you hiring or do you know of anybody who is hiring um and then i remember about a year and a half ago one of my friends from network Cork, who works in hospitality she just said in passing one day oh god i've had like three jobs in the last seven years and you know what i've never interviewed for any of them i've just been um headhunted and i've just been um basically you know poached And I was like, what? And she was like, but you're, it's hospitality and everybody knows everybody. And that actually, I remember I I just kind of stood still and I was like, that's what happened to me or that's what didn't happen to me back when I was made redundant. um, I knew, I didn't know, literally, I didn't know any marketer outside of the company that I was working in. And bizarrely, um, I ended up joining network Cork about two weeks before I got made redundant and you know, this is no exaggeration, but joining network Cork actually changed my life and, and I didn't realize it at the time. So I joined, yeah, I was there for the first year and actually, would you believe I met my graphic designer at my very first event that I almost didn't go to cause it was a few days after I was made redundant. So I had no business card, I had no job. I had no identity. And um that yeah, so like I can't believe I still went like I had to dig deep that night. And there was a girl sitting beside me and we were chatting, and she was an illustrator and a graphic designer, and she was lovely, and we connected and then um I needed a graphic designer when I founded Smart Fox, and I got in touch with her, and, and we bartered. So I gave her two hours of digital marketing support every week for a month, and she she created the fox, the fox logo. Um, so she's responsible for all my branding, and everything like the brand, the green, the fox, the whole shebang came from Paula. Her name's Paula Real um, Real Illustration. And I think if that doesn't show you like the power of networking, I don't know what does. So then with Network Cork, we took it up, I took it up another gear and I was asked to join the committee as a social media exec. So I did that for two years. And as I said in earlier, you know, I, we grew the following to over 17,000 followers across all the platforms. And at one stage we had like the biggest followers going out of all the branches bigger than Network Ireland, which is the umbrella group for 15 branches. And we were finalists in the Cork Digital Marketing Awards twice in the best Twitter category. And we're a charity, so we have no budget. So I'm very proud of all those achievements. And now I've moved to the membership team. So I'm a membership exec. And, um, oh, you know, I've jot forms left, right, and center. And, you know, we have like, a, an online member directory that we just, uh, released to our members a few days ago. So it's, it's a really busy role, but it's a great role. And again, I've met so many people through it and. People ask me about like, are you getting business from it? And I say. Initially, you don't because you don't really know anybody, but then the longer you're in it and the more, the more, the more work you put into it and the more you reach out, the more you get back from it. And like, I've been a finalist twice in Best New Emerging Business Categories uh, at the, at the Network Cork Businesswoman of the Year Awards. And I get huge coverage from that. That's really powerful. And um, like, I've been a guest speaker um, at, at other networks, at other branches and. And like, I know so many now across like network Ireland as a whole, and I've made like really good friends, like business friends that I can ask for advice and other solopreneurs. And, you know, when we chat, like even this morning, I was, um, chatting to to a friend of mine from network Cork. And she was just saying that she had spent days doing two proposals and. She, was, she, she felt like she was going to get them because she'd worked with these clients previously. And then they both turned around and had this wishy-washy excuse. And she was just like, oh my God. And, and you can talk about these things, you know, with other solopreneurs and that's really important. And lastly, the powerhouse collective. So basically, it's, we're six female entrepreneurs, uh, all women, and um, I was the only North Cork person. They were all uh, West Corks, so and I've moved down to Mckilty, So you know, we're all we're all as one now from West Cork, and um, we launched in the the first week of March, twenty twenty. And I have to say, I've never, never experienced anything like it. Like the response was phenomenal and it was really good timing because it was international women's week as well so what do we do so we're six female entrepreneurs and we each have a different um skill set so Anna Gronica is a photographer and um Lisa is a hair and makeup so she would have partnered with Anna anyway you know for photo shoots and Sharon Huggard is a stylist and a coach and Sharna Malone is a skincare consultant and Annie Healy is a mindset coach and business coach and I'm LinkedIn and personal branding and so what we found was that just naturally instinctively we were all working with um the same types of women predominantly so high level executives who were either keen just to build up their profile online or get executive career coach or get professional headshots done because they were going into maybe the, the speaking kind of conferencing space. And so we ended up kind of referring clients to each other anyway, just naturally. And then, um, Anna Healy just came up with the brainwave. She said, Oh my God, why don't we just form like a collective? And there's no better name than powerhouse because you know, you've six, um, hard-working female entrepreneurs and, um, so that that's just been absolutely wonderful, and through, I'm in Network Cork, and Anna, Sharon, and um, Anna Healy. So the two Annas uh, were there in Network West Cork. So it's it, again, it shows the power of networking, but also, you know, women in business and just the power of what happens when women come together. Um, so it, it's just been great and I love it. And uh, they, they, they're kind of responsible, half responsible for me moving to Clamakilty as well.
0: <laughs> a ringing endorsement indeed. Now this is admittedly somewhat of a pivot question. Um, and I'm not going to reveal my own personal biases here. But uh, given your work and involvement and training, many days must feel like video conferencing, bingo, with everything from Zoom to Teams to Meet to WebEx and back again. Do you have a preference? Do you calibrate your training approach depending on the video conferencing tool that you have to use? Mm.
1: Um, okay. So that's, yeah, a really interesting question. Um, so for meetings, like for one-to-one um, or like, let's say, Powerhouse Collective meeting or network or committee meeting, I don't really have a preference. Like I can use Google Meet because I use uh, uh, G Suite, you know, for for my SmartFox email. And... Um, I use microsoft teams depending but you know by far and away zoom is is i think the most used platform from what i've seen however when we move into webinars i'm do you have a preference so i use microsoft teams purely because i think the way i look at it is is that i'm using microsoft office anyway so i'm paying anyway for you know my excel for my PowerPoint, and so on and then when you look at zoom they're charging 37 euros for their, their hundred person webinar plan. And then the cost goes up if you've more than a hundred people. So I guess when I was looking at it, I was just like, why would I, why would I pay 37 euros more for zoom and pay for Microsoft office when I can just, get office and get live events, um, included in that. Um, I'm also really curious to check out, um, Crowdcast. So they've been around for a while, you know, for the webinars and I was just playing around with another one the other day called Demio and, um, Demio by name is Demio by nature. So I'm, I'm on a trial plan and before I knew it, they're taking me through the induction process and onboarding me and, and, and had just automated, um a fake webinar to to take you through all steps i thought it was unbelievable i was like how are they doing this and so they get you straight in using the tool immediately the only thing is is that is quite pricey um i think it was like 99 euros i think was was the cheapest plan so again and this is just a question when the pandemic hit and people started moving into webinars they were all free and i've noticed now that this is creeping in like maybe a 15 20 euro a charge um for webinars and I can totally understand why because if you need them to pay um for for webinar tools I think that's going to be quite common and a big thing I would just say in general is for webinars if you're a speaker you're the speaker you're not the admin and um, you cannot be both and don't try and be both so i don't know if you've heard patrick of this but i'm beginning to hear of a lot more people who who are just saying oh yeah i'm the on the webinar admin now on that or i'm the meeting admin so people are hiring whoever um to kind of if i think if it's more zoom you know when it's a meeting they're hiring letting people into the room or um you know the q a part as well you know if they're publishing questions they're keeping questions hidden so if you are a solopreneur i would just say either ask a friend or an associate or or somebody and pay them obviously um to be the admin because you can't be both.
0: Thanks Louise that's great insight indeed and I would certainly agree with your advice about I suppose picking a lane when choosing between being a meeting admin or the presenter or the host of the meeting. Uh, it's best to do one or the other and not to tax yourself unnecessarily by doing both at the same time. So Louise on to a somewhat related question and it's a question that I ask all creative core guests. What piece of technology can you not live without and why?
1: So you know I've I I've been thinking about this one a bit and, you know, I was trying to be really practical and, um, not say the typical one. So, you know, I had a list and one was a microwave, so I literally couldn't live without that because it's food, you know, it's related to food and then, uh, electric toothbrush, you know, that's, uh, that's amazing as well. But obviously, of course it has to be my phone. Um, everything, you know, from, from listen to my podcasts, Spotify, um, but also because I suppose I, I need internet on my laptop, I hotspot from it a lot, you know, depending on where I am. Um, and you know, I might stream some stuff as well from it, but ironically during the day I started to sign out of Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, I sign out of Facebook, permanently more or less and I, I might log in maybe once or twice and um, just to have a look at some network quark stuff and Instagram as well so um I know that might sound quite unusual but um it's it's just it's a productivity uh task that um I started experimenting with and it just seems to work really well for me and um, so yeah so unfortunately I can't live without my phone.
0: That's a common response, Louise. Uh, Apple and Google have done their job well. So Louise, what are your plans for the coming months?
1: So I suppose, well, my priority is is my role at VMware, which is fantastic. So, you know, I'm settling in there and I'm rolling out my strategy and my objectives. And so I'm having a great time there. And SmartFox is still very much uh, up and running. And um, so I've been looking at different different ways of selling so I'm quite interested in um, the affiliate program that that Teachable have so I love this because it's really transparent in Teachable like there's a whole um, section for affiliates so basically what I mean by that is so I would have a lot of uh, really good relationships and partnerships with various um, career coaches executive coaches recruitment agencies and um, students of my courses or, you know, graduates and people who have gone through the courses and have given testimonials. And so what I find is happening, which is amazing, is that, and even people in other networks that I know um, and, and other places I've spoken to, that they're referring people to me. So if somebody says, oh God, I don't have a clue about LinkedIn, or do you know anybody who trains in LinkedIn? They'll say, yes, I do. So I'm very lucky that I'm getting amazing referrals. And I've always thought about like, you know, how how can I thank them? So I was doing a bit of research um, with various bits of Teachable, and I was looking at the affiliate section. So the way it works is that I would give somebody a custom a custom code that they would put on the end of, of my my course, the URLs for the different courses. And it's totally up to them. Like, I mean, some people might put it on their website. Some people might just have it. And if somebody says, do you know anybody, they'll send them on the link. Some people might put it out in their mailing list. It depends. And I could give a discount um, on that as well. And they would just get um, a little commission, like 10% uh, commission on the, the price of the course. Um, which I think is, is fair because I mean, they're doing this anyway, they're sending people my way anyway. So in teachable, there's a, you can, um, create a new role for that person. You can create them as an affiliate. And there's a whole section that will just, um, calculate the amount of money or the amount of courses, um, that that link has, you know, the purchases have been made through that link. And then there's just a monthly payment then that goes over to that person. So I'm really, really, really um, keen to explore that. And I've been in touch with a few people and they're just like, yeah, like you give me a link and I get 10% and they're just like, sign me up, <laughs> send me over. <laughs> so that is wonderful. Um, I'm still doing webinars, which I love doing, especially for job seekers. So I've got a few of them coming up because um, you know, Patrick, unfortunately, with so many people who are out of work at the moment and and have been made redundant, um, this is a huge area. So it's mostly kind of government agencies that are now getting in touch with me because I think they're under um I wouldn't say huge pressure, but I think that the the volume of people that they're dealing with has gone up. And as somebody who was unemployed for five months, I mean, I know exactly what it's like. And you know, if if you've no money coming in, so that's why I'll always do webinars, like one hour webinars for for job seekers, because it's just something. I really believe in and it's just corporate social responsibility and it's just the right thing to do and that's why i have free short courses on my site for job seekers as well because i just know how important that is and and um, people think um I've, I've so much on my plate people think uh, and they're gonna laugh when i hear this one but i'll still be doing like the odd one-to-one online training as well but um what i'm going to do that there is i'm going to look at um doing a package for maybe like a one hour session with me and then um a heavily discounted price on one of the online courses and so i started doing that recently and that's really popular because you get the best of both worlds so you can do the online training course first and work through all my steps and all my online courses are the exact same material that i would do if i was training in person so like the mega masterclass courses for sales is the equivalent of me being in your company from half nine till five o'clock basically you know it's the exact same material um and so then just outside of that not particularly related to smart fox but you know i'll be heavily involved in network cork i'm really looking forward to experiencing a west cork summer i'm actually so excited and i write creative fiction as well. And I've been published twice in just a little short story, um, competition that's run by Cork County council. That's amazing. And I have a writer's group as well that I run and we're actually, we're doing, we're writing good pieces. I don't know what's going on. I think the creative vibe is coming back now with the longer days. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to the next, to the rest of 2021, to be honest, um, you know, all, all the taking all, everything into stock. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time and, you know, we've all come through a tough enough year and the days are getting longer and there's light and there's brightness on the horizon.
0: That is genuinely great to hear to hear so much positivity on so many different levels i suppose so the the final question with such a diverse and innovative career i'm sure you have a lot of advice to impart and i'm very conscious of the fact that it's a challenging time at the moment for job seekers with many either made redundant or waiting for major sectors of the economy to reopen what would your advice for them be
1: yeah um so i've actually written like a few blogs about this so if anybody wants to pop over to smartfox.ie and go to the blog you can see that But I think the main things are is that looking for a job is like a full-time job and even within that it's it is it's like a full-time sales and marketing job and sales wouldn't have been my forte ever and I've had to learn kind of the hard way through working for myself so I don't know if how practical this is but if I could go back to myself when I was job seeking, I would just say sign up for some sales webinars, like free sales webinars, and just practice um, that subtle art of of selling. And you know, people buy from people. And when you are a job seeker, you're selling. You're selling yourself, your skills, your expertise. Uh, what makes you better and different, and what you can bring to the company. Um, and that's an art in itself another piece of advice i would give would be um and the, it's like a data gathering exercise interviews and job applications and i've got that piece of advice from uh, another podcast called how to fail with elizabeth day and i can't remember the woman's name but she's also known as um she runs a podcast called the guilty feminist and this lady um she actually started off an improv and and you know, used to teach, um, acting and she said to graduates, you know, when they come out of, of drama school and they're, they've no experience and they're just going from endless audition to audition. She said, don't focus on getting the audition. She said, think of it like a data gathering exercise. And so what happens when you go in and you're feeling great and you're full of energy, how do you feel? How does it go? What happens when you go in and, you know, you're tired or you're a bit nervous, like, how does that go? And so you're taking away the whole win lose element and you're just treating it like a data gathering exercise. And of course, no surprise but LinkedIn is critical. And a couple of weeks ago, I heard a very senior recruiter say that your CV doesn't matter when you need to be found on LinkedIn first. And it actually kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, so to hear it said so bluntly, um, it's actually a good thing and i just feel that there are a lot of people out there unfortunately who who don't realize just how essential and it's critical nowadays for you to have an optimized profile um and to have all your keywords in there um, so that you can appear in recruiter searches And another piece of advice I would say, and I alluded to this earlier is work your network. And if you're like me, and if you don't know anybody in your industry, outside of your company, um, there are free like networking events that you can attend. And with the online events now, a lot of them will do breakout rooms or a lot of them will do like one-to-one chats. Um, So look, it mightn't be your cup of tea. It mightn't be your thing, but like, just, just dig deep and you have to do it and we always say network work, networking it's like a muscle and the more you work it like the stronger that muscle becomes um and you can always just connect with people on linkedin you know connect with me on linkedin and uh, another tip would be get interview coaching and this is something i should have done and this is something i didn't do and it is an interviewing is an art in itself and it doesn't matter how chatty you are or how confident or how outgoing you are there is a very subtle thread of selling um selling and influencing that that goes through an interview I've now realized in hindsight and lastly just mind yourself. And, you know, I interviewed full time for five months and I got burnt out and it does, it it makes an awful impact on your mindset. And, you know, why can't I win? Uh, Why won't anybody hire me? What am I doing wrong? And so just, if you find yourself in that frame of mind, you know, go to an interview coach, because unfortunately there, it's, there, there's an art and there is a way to, to succeed in interviews if you are the right person for that job. And sometimes you might get a job and like it's such a cliche, but it, it just wasn't meant for you. Um, and I know my mother said, that to me one time. And I, I just, I actually had to walk out of the room because it was like five months into my job search. And I was just like, nah, there's, there's, there's something bigger, um, going you miss here. And then the irony is I started working for myself and, um, I started winning clients and I started lending all these, these gigs and, and selling and carving out this niche, like unbeknownst to me. So, if, if you are in an industry, maybe where you can freelance or if you have an idea, um, I would say look into that because that is actually very impressive. And when you go into an interview, you have concrete examples of I did this, I did this, I created this and I- the bottom line is how are you going to make this company more money if you're in a marketing role? So if you've worked for yourself and if you can give examples of where you have sold, you have landed clients, you know, you you got invoices paid, you got money coming into your account, you've run a business. I think if you're interviewing um, for an SME and you're being interviewed by a managing director, they will tap into that massively. And that can be very very impressive
0: thanks louise there's a lot of great actionable and practical advice there really useful thanks louise for taking the time to join the core creative podcast i learned a lot and i'm sure listeners did too if you would like to learn more about louise her career online school webinar or guest speaker opportunities you can find her on and this is a surprise to no one i'm sure on linkedin smartfox.ie will bring you to her online courses including two free short courses and her blog with more free tips You will find these links in the show notes for this podcast also. I hope you will come back on the podcast again to speak about your developing digital portfolio, Louise. Every good luck for 2021 and beyond.